The scripture for today is from Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak of other tongues, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. God feared Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each of one each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are all these who speak in Galins? How then how is it that each of us hears it hears them in our own native language. Parthians, Metis, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Jada, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Lib- Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and convert, converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Reading of God's Word. Good morning, church, and hello to those online as well. Thanks for joining with us here today. As we uh, are worshiping, we're going to continue with our sermon here today, and uh, we're taking a break from the sermon series, and we are having a Pentecost Sunday here today. Yeah, okay, there we go. Woo! So, okay, someone's excited. Now, it is kind of interesting because, uh, you know, as we're getting into, you know, 2022, the thought does occur to me, it's typically thought that Jesus was born about, like, maybe 4 B.C., 3 B.C., somewhere in that range. He lived about 30 years, preached for about three years of that after that, that is. So about 33, he was crucified. Then he would have been resurrected and, you know, ascended into heaven, in which Pentecost Sunday happens in there. So it does occur to me that one of these years coming up, it will be the technically the 2,000-year-old anniversary of Pentecost. So, I don't know, maybe sometime in the next 10, 15 years, like, you know, it's going to be happening. We can't exactly pinpoint what year, per se, that was uh, exactly, but we do know that that is probably the case. So, uh, as we're celebrating here today, Pentecost Sunday, what Pentecost Sunday, it is the birth of the church. It is a story that we'll be looking at here in just a moment, but essentially, happy birthday, church. And so, as we're here today, we have uh, the red kind of pyramids and red uh, altar cloths to represent the Holy Spirit coming down on that Pentecost Sunday, bringing the birth of the church and the first sermon that was ever preached by one of the apostles, that is. First, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, it is the birthday of the church of almost 2,000 years, and in the coming years, there will be a year where we'll say that was... 2,000 years of the church existing. It's amazing to look back and think about all that's happened over the years of the way the world has changed in so many different ways and 
ways it continues to change, but yet the church is still present. And the church in every culture, every language, every place still continues to thrive, still continues to preach the good news. And yet, no matter how far any society goes away from those teachings, the church still exists. And the church continues on. As you know, one of the famous quotes uh, out there is, of course, that Frederick Nietzsche that said, God is dead, right? And that was said quite some time ago. And yet it occurs to me and probably you as well that, hey, People of God haven't agreed on that yet. God's still alive, and we're still meeting despite all that goes on in the world. And so praise the Lord for the gift of the Holy Spirit that happened on this day. I do want to take time to remember that story, even though it was just read here again. Uh, but I do want to tell you about this idea that, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, remember, he appears to the apostles, and he keeps kind of showing up different places, doing different things, but he kind of keeps kind of being around and doing different things. But the beginning of Acts, it tells us, that Jesus had appeared to them for over 40 days and he spoke to his disciples about the kingdom of God and on one occasion he was eating with them and he gave them this command. He said to them, he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The disciples are probably looking at each other going, well, we just saw a man raised from the dead. Like, this story gets even better. Are you kidding me, right? And so, uh, you know, as they're sitting with Jesus, all of a sudden they ask Jesus some questions and basically he reminds them, hey, you're not going to know when my kingdom's officially coming in, ushering in. Just, just be faithful. Do what you're supposed to do. Jesus ascends in that moment, takes up, uh, is taken up, that is, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And it says that they were looking intently up to the sky, because who wouldn't, right? I mean, a dead man just rose from the grave, stuck around for 40 days, and now has ascended into heaven. Like, you'd be staring at a cloud, too, if you know what I'm saying. And he, he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And so meanwhile, they returned to Jerusalem. And so he's been told, they've been told, go wait in Jerusalem. So they go wait in Jerusalem. And you know what a bunch of dudes do when you got some time to kill? They figure out something to do, right? Dudes can't just sit and wait. I don't know if you ever realize this. We're not really the talkative bunch that we like to just chit-chat and things like that. So the only thing they can figure out what to do while they wait is, uh, you remember Judas had betrayed Jesus, and so there's actually only 11 disciples at this point. And so they basically talk with each other, and they say, hey, we should get a 12th disciple. And so they do this whole rigmarole where they figure out who's going to be the 12th disciple. And eventually, as they cast lots, there was a man that had been following around with Jesus quite some time with them and the people of God, and so Matthias was chosen and added to the 11 apostles. This is what men do when we're bored. We, like, cast lots and argue with each other because that's, you know, what we do. So, but to continue the story, eventually, they're sitting around inns. As we mentioned, the day of Pentecost came. Now, Pentecost, of course, is an Old Testament term. It was the day of harvest, and so it was a celebratory time. It was the time of which... Uh, you would go out and start harvesting the first of the harvest. And so it is a big, magnificent, awesome time uh, for the community. And so the day of harvest is the exact same day that Jesus and God said, okay, just so you get the picture of what's going on here, the harvest has begun. And the Holy Spirit came down that day upon the disciples, as we said. It looks like tongues of flame as they were sitting there in the house, it says, came down and rested upon their heads which I'm sure was quite a sight to see. And all of a sudden, they started just speaking in languages that 
they're Galileans and Jews. They had no business speaking some of these languages. Now, they were pretty much fluent in probably Aramaic and, and, and uh, you know, speaking Hebrew as well as uh, also uh, maybe a little bit of Greek and things like that. But some of these, they should have no business knowing these languages and speaking them. And so, of course, there's this mighty sound. It says that the people around heard this mighty sound come. And so they all came out and they all heard these languages being spoken. And of course, this is one of the day of Pentecost. So this is actually one of the days where God-fearing Jews from all over the world would have come to Jerusalem to celebrate this great feast. And so people from all over the world are all of a sudden hearing their native languages being spoken. And they look at each other as it says. They, they hear these, these people, these men, speaking their, and declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. So amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean, right? Because this is an act and a sign, and in Judaism, that's a huge thing. When you see acts and signs, you know God's at work. You've got to figure out what it means, and you've got to get busy putting whatever it is into action. But it does say that some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Now, I know probably some of you may like the wine a little bit or may like your beverages, right? Uh, I've been told that sometimes uh, meetings don't happen at the church, so they can happen at people's houses, and they just leave it hanging or why that is, but I, I assume that there may be some association with that idea. But I don't know if you've ever had a beverage and started speaking in other tongues, but maybe you thought you were, but I, don't, I doubt it really worked out so well for you, right? But nonetheless, the people look at them and they go, these guys are crazy. Now, I just want to stop and think of that for a minute, because they're making fun of them. But it is interesting the way they make fun of them, right? They don't make fun of them as these guys are just, you know, rigmarole people and whatever. But the sound they were making, the stories they were declaring, the things they were saying in their own people's languages were associated with a people that were celebratory and getting drunk. Now just think about the meaning of that for a minute. Like this scene, you know, when you think about it in your head, it's, it's, it doesn't give us so many details that you wonder kind of what it looks like. But when I hear the people make fun of them for for being drunk, the thought occurs to me that kind of in their context of when you get people together, that's mostly like a wedding. That's a celebration. That's a, that's a feast that's going on. That's a good time. And so this isn't like the, oh, they're drunk or the angry drunk, you know, trying to pick fights or things like that. This is like the drunk celebratory thing. And of course, it gives you a picture of what the church was like. And so whatever they were speaking in my head, I just have to think in their heads, I mean, everybody is just smiling, everybody is hearing amazing things, everybody is joyous, rejoicing, everybody's just, you know, get up and wanting to dance kind of thing, you know, and all these type of ideas uh, going on during this Pentecost Sunday as these flames came down and rested upon the disciples' heads. But when they were made fun of, it says this in the story that keeps on going on, Peter, remember Jesus had told them that you are going to hold the keys to the kingdom, right? And he told them that on you, I will build my church. You are the rock. In fact, he renamed him to be Peter, which literally means rock, on which I'm going to build my church. And of course, it's Peter that gets up and starts preaching that day. And here is his message, right? It says, he stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. And then I guess, Peter, you can think of this as the first joke one of the disciples ever made. He goes, it's only nine in the morning, right? Like, who gets drunk at nine in the morning, people? Come on, get with it, right? And so he makes 
pretty much the first joke, and it's not quite as good as my dad joke last week, but it's almost there. You know, we're getting there, right? But as he, uh, as he says this, you know, he addresses the crowd, and he says, listen, careful what I say. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders from the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, what Peter is saying is, hey, you, you know, the Jews all knew these scriptures. Hey, this amazing miracle, you know what the meaning of it is? Is the Lord's day is coming, the harvest is here, pretty much is what he's saying. And at the very end there, and everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so guess what the rest of his sermon does? As the rest of the sermon is going to call on people to call on the name of the Lord <laughs> to be saved. And so as he keeps going on, he talks about Jesus of Nazareth, of how God had come in this form and that with this day that he had come in and he'd been raised from the dead, that he'd been freed from the agony of death, and that death could not hold him. And he reminds him of David's own words, of how these paths of life have happened. And then he keeps going on, he keeps preaching, and he brings about David, and he starts talking about how David's dead and buried. But you know what? Jesus isn't. He's the descendant of David. He's rose from the dead. And in fact, David prophesied about him. And he, said, he gives a prophecy about David there. And then finally, he says these words, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. It says this words that, although this was this joyous momentum as they saw these people that acted like they were drunk, when they heard these words, they knew the day of the Lord had come for them. And here was their reaction. And I love how beautiful sometimes and metaphorical this language is. It says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And the church was born. And the rock that Jesus had said, I will build my church upon you, stood up and gave the message. And people responded, and lives were changed. You remember that day of just amazing miracles that were taking place. God is still alive. But I wanted to focus just a little bit more on that idea of, you know, that wine. Because as you saw this, the scripture today is named, or sermon is named, too much wine. And, you know, when I look at the church, some of the things we need a little bit more of, especially in the world and the way it's going, is we want the church, or the people out there, to look at us and go, man, those people have too much wine. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just think about the stereotypes of Christians right now, right? When you start to think about it, what are we stereotyped as? We're stereotyped as stuffy, right? closed-minded, maybe argumentative, maybe uh, sometimes just uh, unrealistic or just things like that. Maybe you have different kind of stereotypes that come across you. And as a pastor, uh, you know, it's always funny when I introduce myself, and I've told you this before, but like even this used to happen on airplanes more. Now it even happens at like just introducing casually, like at friends' parties or whatever. They'll be, you know, be like, oh, this is Jonathan. He's a pastor. And they go, oh. 
And then they were having lots of fun and smiling and talking before that. And they just kind of get quiet. They go, so, um, how is that going for you? <laughs> it's, it comes like just a killer in the conversation sometimes, which I find is funny. But as you look at this scripture, I want to think about that idea that people that saw them, the way they wanted to make fun of the Christians was not, oh, they're too prudish. Oh, they're too, you know, just silent and quiet or whatever. They're not the chosen frozen or anything like that. Like, they've had too much wine, right? They're having too good of a time being Christians, right? And in fact, it's nine in the morning, and these people are acting like they are drunk, right? And just think about the meaning of that and how different it is than maybe sometimes we experience. You know, joy is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we've talked many times about that, but the truth is, is that if we're living in Jesus Christ, even though we go through hardships, I'm not saying we don't cry, I'm not saying that bad things don't happen, I'm not saying that there are times where we worry and all these different things that we lean on God, but I am saying that there's always a joy, like this, this gold nugget in our hearts that can't be taken away from us. This joy that when the world would look and poke fun of and make fun of, there'd really be this part they would say, you know, they're having a good time though, <laughs> right? I mean, they're having a good time and the Holy Spirit is breathing and moving amongst them. As I thought about this, you know, as I think about the scripture and the birth of the church, the joy that was there and the people around them, just what a momentous moment it was and how it really prepared that moment for the, the gospel to be preached about, hey, Jesus died for our sins. and He is the Lord and he's risen from the dead. And guess what? You can call in his name and be received and you can forgive, you can get the forgiveness of sins washed away and that you can be this child of God through the work of Jesus Christ. And I think about just our, the world today and even this week, um, it was our annual conference. So if you don't know, the, in Methodist Church, every, every, we have conferences as they kind of divide up the map of different areas of kind of, like, you know, how to how to make it governable. And um, so we have a West Ohio conference is what our church is part of. And of course, as a pastor, I get to go to the West Ohio annual conference, you know, every year. And normally it's up at Lakeside. So, you know, like, it's like, you know, business during the day, party during the night, right? And I don't mean, you know what I'm saying, like party like Christian party. I mean, we do like a rock the boat. We do a dance party and like all that ice cream party. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But I've heard rumor that there may be some that take uh, um, maybe some wine. But anyways, but as you're up there, but it's, it's one of these celebrations as you cut together with people. And it's funny because, you know, we'll all get together in this auditorium, Hoover Auditorium. And if you think today's hot, Hoover Auditorium gets hot. Let me tell you, especially when you're, when sometimes you're in the robes and all the things you got to do. Anyways, but you'd get together and you would debate, you know, there's all these different things that people debate and try to make it happen and all the stuff and rigmaroles that go on and... Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's bewildering to watch because it works kind of like the United States government works when you try to get something changed or passed or, or different, right? It becomes just a rigmarole, right? But what I loved about going up to Lakeside was this, is that after all that was done, everybody went out and ate ice cream together, right? And everybody went to a dance party together, and we all just celebrated, like, we all just would have this great time of fellowship no matter who we were coming from, where we were coming from, there was still the ability to have that time of fellowship. And uh, one of the hard things that COVID has happened is that we have to do it all online, and, and there's a whole bunch of reasons and for that, and money issues and things like that. But um, I miss that so much. 
because one of the things that doesn't happen now is we, we basically got together this weekend and people argued different points. But it was like, it was like having the argument but never having the makeup, you know? <laughs> it kind of just leaves you hanging where you're kind of like, we got to get together, people. We got to somehow amend this to some way. And uh, I'm still processing some of what happened went on this weekend, but, you know, it's a very trying time. But one of the things that occurs to me is the church doesn't feel like the church unless it seems like people had too much wine, right? It just doesn't quite feel the church in the way it's supposed to be unless there are those moments of great joy and great community, if you will, and great coming together and fellowship. And as we've learned kind of through COVID, I think it's taught us and hit us on the head once again, is that can only happen really truly in person. And no matter how much we try to, you know, even if we get to the point of having holograms or robots on our behalf be out there or whatever, but you got to be in person with the other people. You know, as I look at this scripture and I think about the early church and the joy that they were finding and the gift of this Holy Spirit and the way in which that opened the door for people to be not only curious, but respond to the gospel. Is let's make a challenge in our life. Let's live and be the church in such a way that our community would be around us and they would say, you know what? I think they drink during service because they're having way too much fun over there. <laughs> or I think, you know what? They're just having a way too good a time being who they are because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can rejoice always, no matter what we're going through. And we can always be the church, no matter who we are or what's going on. Let's prepare our hearts as we go towards this communion time.